0: The Off the Ball Podcast Network.
1: Hello there, and you are very welcome to the Off the Ball League of Ireland Podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. Thank you very much for joining me as always. Coming up on a bumper edition over the next while, we are going to react to the news that former FAI CEO and Executive Vice President John Delaney has resigned. TD Noel Rock and former Ireland manager Brian Kerr will join us. We look back on both extra.ie FAI Cup semi-finals with Dundalk manager Vinnie Pert and Sligo Rovers boss Liam Buckley. As well as Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley Goalscorer Graham Burke And Bohemians captain Derek Pender What a final in store dock against Shamrock Rovers On November 3rd We'll preview the first round of the first division Relegation promotion playoffs As third place Longford Town travel to fourth place Cabin Teeley, Longford goalkeeper Lee Stacey And Cabin Teeley attacker Kieran Marty Waters Will join us And we'll hear from a guy called Mark Scanlon from the FAI He runs the third level football For the FAI which involves over 150 League of Ireland players in both the men's and women games and that season launched this week it'll kick off next week i'm going to hear about the importance of the league of ireland and also college for young footballers in the country that's all on the way on the off the ball league of ireland podcast so let's get the show on the road and hear all about john delaney's departure
2: the best league of ireland podcast in the business
3: this is off the ball
1: The Football Association has announced the resignation of John Delaney from his position with the association almost five months after the 52-year-old went on gardening leave from the organisation. A statement reads The Board of the FAI announces the resignation with immediate effect of Executive Vice President and former CEO John Delaney. This follows talks between the parties the FAI will fulfil certain notice and pension obligations as agreed between the parties. Mr Delaney served as CEO of the FAI from 2005 to March of 2019 during which time the FAI became partners in the new Aviva Stadium. In 2017 he was elected the UEFA Executive and in March of this year he moved to a role of Executive Vice President of the FAI. Both parties have agreed to make no further comments. And uh, this statement released last night, Nathan Whelan, is here beside me. At 11.14pm, uh, curious timing as the uh, Sunday newspapers, particularly the Sunday Times, who have been uh, at the forefront of all of these uh, John Delaney and FAI revelations in recent weeks and months, uh, would be unable to have a proper story written because their papers would have just about gone to print. So uh, the timing of these
4: things is always interesting. I'm sure it's nothing got to do with that. I'm sure the decision was made, half ten, and then obviously they released it whenever they could. I'm sure that, that's that's the reason, Jamie.
1: Yes, uh, a nice tweet uh, from Paddy Power. The FAI announced the resignation of John Delaney 11pm on a Saturday night when plenty of people are out on the beer after the Sunday papers have gone to print and following a disappointing defeat for the rugby team which will dominate the news agenda. A masterclass, to be fair. And... Uh, that is not the only uh, tweet about John Delaney, Nathan, and the Sunday Times newspaper as well. They were working on a story about John Delaney's possible resignation, so they still have some facts and figures?
4: Yes, they do, and they were, they were mentioning in the front of the, the Sunday Times, the lawyers represent that both sides have been holding discussions that could lead to his position being clarified before the publication of the force report into financial matters, which is said to be on October 7th. The association is considering a financial settlement with Delaney after receiving legal advice that all his financial dealings as chief executive were signed off by his senior figures of the association. Deal is extremely close, one well placed FAI star said, while the other said on the mediation we are being extremely tough. But whether people believe that or not is another matter.
1: Yes, now in April, the then newly appointed FAI Executive Vice President Delaney spoke in public for the last time at the Iraqus Committee hearing, where he effectively said nothing.
5: On legal advice, I'm precluded from making any further comments at this hearing in relation to the finances of the association or my former role as CEO or the 100,000 payment either directly or indirectly. In the interests of fair procedures and natural justice, which I have made this statement to the committee, and have attended this meeting voluntarily, as I've attended many Oireachtas committees in the past, I am not in a position to answer any such questions here at this time.
1: Now, within a week of that appearance in which the FAI President, Donald Conroy, was effectively thrown under the bus and had to answer all the questions that John Delaney should have been answering, he was put on gardening leave after revelation, after revelation, after revelation, and now... What we understand to be lengthy discussions between his legal team and the FAI. He has resigned, but the key line is that the FAI will fulfil certain notice and pension obligations as agreed between the parties. And we're going to have more on this story with TD Nolrock, one of the people who questioned or tried to question Delaney at that Rock's hearing in April. In a couple of minutes' time. Now, not everybody on Twitter is uh, very disappointed uh, for uh, you know for, for John to be gone because uh, one person, Brian, says a good man gone. Best wishes to John Delaney, and they did my favourite uh, tweet, tongue in cheek, from Irish football picks. It's a, a photo of John Delaney with like a, a French moustache that's been kind of superimposed on his face. The FAI are set to appoint Frenchman Jean Delaney as the new Executive Vice President following John Delaney's resignation. So there's always time for a bit of humour in these scenarios because John Delaney is gone, the FAI are hopefully going to a better place and uh, the Twitter folk are able to have a laugh.
4: I I think today Twitter's going to be a goldmine so keep an eye out with the hashtag John Delaney on Twitter. I'm sure you'll see uh, a few good ones.
1: But a man who will make comment is TD Noel Rock who was involved in the Rockless Committee questioning John Delaney in April and we played a clip of uh, John Delaney uh, basically making no comment earlier in the show. Noel, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, thanks Noel, not bad at all. What's your initial reaction to this news?
6: Uh, Look, I think it's welcome news. Um, I think after the constant evasion and avoidance of answering the hard questions, it was quite clear for a long time Mr Delaney's position within the FAI was no longer tenable or withstandable. Uh, That's why the government uh, withdrew funding from the FAI Uh, and demanded uh, truth and transparency become the heart of the new regime at the FAI, something that Mr Delaney couldn't possibly be a part of.
1: Yeah, it's probably fair to say that this was the only real option and outcome for the FAI and for John Delaney, really.
6: Completely, yeah. And I think what needs to happen now is, like in your previous segment there, we want to have a a football-focused future. Uh, I don't want to be seeing FAI on the front page of a newspaper. I want to see football being talked about on the back pages of the newspaper and actually talking about the football at the heart of the FAI rather than the scandal at the heart of the FAI. And we have an opportunity now to clean house and do just that.
1: Yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall at these discussions between you know the people for John Delaney, maybe John Delaney himself, and the FAI. And the line now that has annoyed some people this morning is that certain notice and pension obligations have been agreed. Now, that is something that... By law, John Delaney would be entitled to, given he worked for the FAI for so long. But that's something, again, that people have have, uh, highlighted this morning.
6: That's right, yeah. And I mean, I'd be um, frustrated and a little bit alarmed to see that as well. Like, you know, I will obviously be making the call that those those settlement details should be disclosed. I mean, like I said, truth and transparency needs to be at the heart of the FAI going forward. So having uh, some kind of deal done in the dark isn't necessarily... Uh, the first, the best foot, first step for the new FAI. Um, but what I would say, I suppose, is that, yeah, it might be the case that he was entitled to certain things as per his contract. But there is the question, of course, uh, that next Monday, um, the first of the reports that have been commissioned into the governance at the heart of the FAI under Mr. Delaney were to be published, uh, potentially damaging details in those reports, of course. And it does beg the question, uh, could Mr. Delaney have been dismissed from the FAI Uh, with no entitlement to settlement whatsoever, rather than being allowed to resign with a settlement which was agreed behind closed doors. That's a question. We can't say anything definitive about that one way or the other. But, you know, we'll see the report next Monday, and we'll all be able to draw our own conclusions then.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly we spoke about the timing of the announcement last night in terms of on a Saturday night after 11 o'clock, but also the timing of him resigning with these reports due on Monday and the rest of them to come in the next couple of months as well is, is very, very interesting. Noel, you mentioned earlier on about the funding and, you know, there have been meetings between Sport Ireland and the FAI and in fairness, to Donald Conway, he has spoken to myself on the show and the media a number of times after the AGM and after the EGM and, you know, he seems to be the man who's trying, along with this new board, to drag the FAI to uh, to be able to get its funding back. What's your understanding of where that is at the moment?
6: Well, look, I think uh, this, this move is definitely another welcome step in the right direction of restoring funding. And remember, when people hear restoring funding on the radio, they might think, you know, the funding is going to the chief executive of the FAI or whatever. That's not the case. You know, this funding goes to grassroots football. It goes to assist and aid the work of thousands of people up and down the country who are voluntarily coaching or voluntarily playing for, uh, you know, small clubs and schoolboy clubs and what have you. And we're very keen to make sure that funding is restored. But as part of that restoration of funding, you know, there are certain terms and conditions that we as the government would want to see. And the main one of those is that we actually have a transparent regime at the heart of the FAI and that we actually have a bit of honesty from them as regards to their finances and what financial position they were in. That's what the problem was in the first place with this whole thing, was that the FEI wasn't being run properly. Uh, their finances were in disarray. we saw money being spent on things that money should have never been spent on. And we never want to go back there again. No football fan wants to see that. I don't want to see that, and the government doesn't want to see that.
1: And, now, just lastly, on the football side of things, and, you know, the senior team doing so well, hopefully they'll, you know, pick up a couple, a couple of good results in the games coming up. The under 21s next game at Tallaght Stadium is sold out. The women's national team as well have, have started well, and, and, you know, the crowds have, have come to support them too. We've, we've seen increases in League of Ireland attendances, and, and hopefully a new League of Ireland a rebirth as well. So, with John Delaney gone now, are you hopeful that the new FAI can come out of this real scandal in a positive scenario moving forward?
6: Absolutely. I think uh, all the omens are good in that regard. I think the men's senior team have got off to a flying start in their group. Uh, We remain very hopeful ahead of the Georgia and Switzerland fixtures. Like you said, the under-21s are playing some swashbuckling, thrilling football right now, and I think we're all enjoying watching that as well. And the women's team, naturally enough, are progressing and pushing on, and we're delighted to see that. And like I said, League of Ireland, attendances are up across the board. You know, there's a real wave of enthusiasm out there right now, for people to go to games, get stuck in and get involved in a way that we haven't seen in years. years. So look, I think all the omens are good there. And there's a real chance for the FEI to grab that energy and enthusiasm and run with it in a post-John Delaney future. Great stuff.
1: TD Null Rock, thanks for your time. Have a good day. Thanks, in. It's the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. That is Null Rock TD speaking to us on yesterday's and no, That's What I Call Sport. And Joe Malloy on Off The Ball on Sunday spoke to former
5: Ireland boss Brian Kerr. My personal opinion is it's just a pity that they had to keep paying him over the last few months maybe roughly 175 grand, while he was on some sort of leave garden leave when the game is struggling out for money I saw, read a, a, a piece with the chairman of Sligo Rovers yesterday in relation to them getting to the cup final and the bonus that that is but that the FAI will take um, a large sum from the gate receipts of the match with Dundalk today Because that has been in the in the rules for a long time. Instead of the FAI giving Sligo money for getting to the Cup semi-final, they're giving the FAI money. And you know, meanwhile, the ex-CEO on garden leave is receiving substantial amounts of money and he's going to get more money now, it seems, to leave the place. Having, it appears, left the place in disarray and with debts all over the place. Mm. You know, it, it, it's just a mad words. Yeah.
0: yeah, it certainly looks like they were very keen to tie this thing up before the first report. And there are several reports due, but the first report is due very soon, Monday the 7th of October. So it's just around the corner. So you, you suspect they're trying to get the House in order. Scant detail in the statement. Shane Ross has been speaking this morning and obviously, look, he, was, he, he saw no problems with John Delaney less than a year ago in interviews he did on this station. I always think it's important to stress that. But he did make the point today that, given the FAI have said they, they are going to fulfil fulfil certain notice and pension obligations, he's basically said he wants to know if government funds have been used for this purpose, saying the public need to know that large sums are not being paid unnecessarily he said, I think it's absurd after all the controversy, that we shouldn't, we being I presume the public and the government, we shouldn't know exactly what the payoff is, um, and given that there's taxpayer money involved, I think that's a fair point to make under the circumstances that this, this thing is shrouded in um, non-disclosure agreements presumably
5: yeah, uh, and that's, that has been the way with the FAI whenever anyone has left. Uh, I think I had one of them myself, a non-disclosure agreement even, and I I don't really mind about it anymore, you know. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't care about it, but uh, lots and lots of people that have been, you know, have left the organisation in uh, on bad terms, let's say, have had to sign some sort of agreement they've assisted on that so that that may be the cover so that they don't disclose what happened I don't know about Shane Ross's point of view in relation to they have to ensure that public money wasn't used as part of this I think that's most unlikely I mean they've they've already stopped the public money going into it and I understand there was no money there anyway until UEFA came on board and Delivered whatever amount they have delivered, the suggestion has been 10 million. So I'd imagine it's coming from that, or whatever other income is is, is coming in at the moment. I mean, there's obviously income being generated from the games now. The games are uh, I've started again, a couple of home games yeah. recently, Switzerland and Bulgaria. But you know, there's a lot, a lot to be paid out as well. So I presume the UEFA money is is keeping the wolf from the door. But here's another payment that has to be paid that really they shouldn't be shouldn't be paying by Royce, but they have to to get the matter tidied up yeah. and I and, and I would imagine that the decision had to be made on the basis that if there was further legal cases that that would have been maybe much more expensive
0: yes 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 it's quite surreal really what a mess it all is isn't it
5: well it's very really sad it's very very sad indeed when we were being led to leave, believe for so long that the, the, the the association was going to be debt free by 2020. How often did we hear that mantra at the AGMs over the years in the, the bits of, in, scraps of information and propaganda that were, that was put out at the AGMs that they were going to be debt free. The stadium was going to be debt free and the associate, the stadium was, was going to become a cash cow to deliver lots of support for every area of the game. Well, my, my God, we're well, miles away from that at the moment. Yeah, loads more to come
1: on the John Delaney story on OffTheBall.com. It's the League of Ireland podcast with Jamie Moore here. Thanks very much for joining me. Turning our attention now to the FAI Cup semi-finals and Michael Duffy's goal in the 89th minute has secured Dundalk's fifth final in a row thanks to a 1-0 win over Sligo Rovers at the showgrounds in front of a sold-out 4,000 capacity. In a moment, the Sligo boss Liam Buckley. But first, the Shamrock the Rovers head coach, no, the Dundalk head coach Vinnie Pert has been chatting to O'Sheen Langan.
7: Vinnie Perth your Dundalk team have come to the showgrounds and won in the Extra.ie FAI Cup semi-final and semi-finals are all about winning
8: yeah and um, I presume the way I've been asked a lot of questions over the last sort of 25 minutes maybe don't, people don't think we were that good today I thought we were good I thought we were very good in a different way um, we you know we've had big players high up in the pitch like Duffy Hooban McElhenney McRae but I think tonight um, our two centre-halves were our best players and we've had to be because you know it's a difficult event and um, but I thought it was a really good and strong performance. It just shows you that you know uh, what we're built on. We're built on a full team. Gary hasn't had to make a save tonight, told to me.
7: We've seen in the last 24 hours how difficult it is to play an opponent on their home patch and how much more that gives them. Great atmosphere here, over 4,000 people. When you came out onto the pitch, the place was surrounded by red. So for your players to actually kind of kill that atmosphere. And take control of the game, which they did for large parts of the first half, and then the second half. He must be very pleased with that.
8: Yeah, that's the, that's the point. I'm, I'm sure people are going. When the last time we were here, there wasn't as many. There wasn't a live on TV, and it was probably our best performance in seven years in in the context of what it meant. So tonight was different, but it was a very. Um, uh, professional performance and it was very much showed a real character as I said the first 20 minutes in particular we took this thing out of the game we kept it we, we, you know, we probed alright but we, 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 we managed the game really well in that sense and I thought how we finished I thought there was only one winner if, if anyone was going to win it and, but at the same time we were comfortable to take what was a difficult night we were comfortable to take that to a replay if needs be it's been Duffy week, hasn't it? A great goal against Shamrock Rovers on Monday night, and
7: today he came up with a wonderful finish in the 89th minute. I might have been a bit harsh on him in commentary. I said he shinned it, but I think he actually knew exactly what he was doing the way he finished it.
8: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, he, to be honest, you're spot on because he's saying he shinned it. I didn't see it that way. Pally wheeling all over Yeah, again. yeah. <laughs> so he said he sort of scuffed it a little bit, and, and sometimes that's actually, if you catch them sweet, they go straight at the keeper or they hit somebody. The way he is sort of spun into spun his own ward, but ended up in the, in the corner of the net. So, brilliant knife for Michael he, he keeps going and um, he's in his 40 odd match of this season so his fitness levels are phenomenal the league is wrapped up the league cup is wrapped up now it's a long
7: way to the cup final how difficult is that to manage how what are the challenges of keeping the guys fresh and enthusiastic? Because it's a long, long wait, isn't it? And effectively, every league game is kind. Of, people will say, "Well, it's basically a friendly because you've the league won."
8: Yeah, well, the difference is, I think with our club is now that we, um, I think I think if you're good to the game, the game will be good back to you. That's always been my belief. So we've got to play Derry balls and pats all chasing Europe. Okay, so our job has to be as much as possible try and win the three of them games, and that's good for the league um, and it's good for people around it. Also, we've got that FEI Cup on. People want to be informed form or you want to be in the team. Um, the team is fluid as everyone knows this year so if you're in form you know you're more chance you're going to play in that game so that's that's good for them and we've got the United Cup as well that another competition now that we really want to go after so uh, there's enough to be played for this year and um, that gives us a real hope and finally the treble is now down to one game does
7: that take pressure off or does that put pressure off
8: um, or is that
7: an irrelevant point I've just made
8: no I, I mean I don't see any pressure at the moment we've achieved more or less achieved all our goals and look it's 90 minutes and nothing can happen in a cup final so uh, it's not a season final game for us in any way shape or form if the worst thing we do is, is um, achieve what we've only achieved now it's been a pretty special season um, and it's, I think it's an opportunity to be a brilliant final I hope it's a safe final but I think it's a brilliant spectacle on the pitch and when you look at the last sort of 18 hours 24 hours like you get that news through last night Irish football has had a difficult difficult again a difficult day but what Sligo the Sligo football community put on today I was really proud to be part of that very proud League of Ireland and soccer man that was an amazing night it probably wasn't an amazing spectacle on the pitch right I accept that but what an amazing like sold out signs up and just shows you what we can do um, our football's a good place and people need to, to I know we take a bit of calmness about the other rubbish that's going on but trust the people here there's a lot of good people making making uh, big inroads and you've seen you've seen you know the big Rovers games. You've seen the European games. You've seen this tonight. This 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 uh, this league or the Irish football community is in a good place. You look at the 21s. You look at the, the 19s. We're we're doing okay. We're on the way back, and we need to just um, listen and investigate all of that stuff that's gone on the last few hours and get to the bottom of it and ask. Do loads you think of Irish questions. football
7: can kick on now that we can kind of now that John Delaney has left? And you've mentioned that you know there's a lot of good stuff going on. Do you think that? now is the time that we can move on we can actually use this as a positive starting point rather than a negative ending point
8: yeah except people have to ask questions and I want them to ask questions why is why has this happened yeah. why has that happened and I think my personal view is there's more people coupled than just John Delaney okay because people allow certain things to happen but yes um, I, I looked at it and I'll just make a couple of ones but um, Afalabi came off the bench yesterday Adam Ida was on the bench Conley and um, uh, we two two people played for Sheffield United and Stevens and um, Egan. Egan. Like, I I think there's a potential if it's managed correctly, and I think the the right two people are doing it and in, in, in Mick making Steven. I think if we manage it properly, we could be heading to a golden era of Irish football. So I hope that's not lost because the negativity, the the, the rubbish that's in. I hope sponsors see if sponsors could see what's coming through. We've got some like. Um, Jason Knight coming on for Derby he's part of Derby's first team. Like he can't even get into the 21 squad at the moment before different things we're, we're, we're in a really strong position people need to uh, yes comment all that stuff on, on the negativity but also make positive comments about the game as well it's easy to send a tweet or a, a, an Instagram or go on a radio station and say how bad it is it is bad in one sense, but the football side of it is bloody brilliant at the moment and we need to we need to not lose that message over the next sort of six months and, and
1: build on it. Yeah, Oshin Langan in conversation with the Dundalk head coach Vinnie Pert, and from Vinnie Pert now to his counterpart, the Sligo manager, Liam Buckley. Liam
7: Buckley, Sligo Rovers manager. Look, I'll start with the question that a lot of Sligo fans are bringing up on their
3: way home at the moment. Should you have had two penalties? No, but should have one penalty. Uh, the second one... It's more of a I wouldn't say it was a definite penalty but the first one was a cast iron penalty as far as we're concerned I've seen it back um, look at, you need to a little bit of luck in these things that's to say before, you know, before the game we are saying that whoever you, you do need a little bit of luck in these games that's given and we go in front it's a different type of game you know at, at nil all it was still up in the air now in fairness we've put in a good shift I thought it was not better but uh, there wasn't a lot in the game but we're just disappointed now that's that's the end of it
7: Is the disappointing thing that you had a lot of possession you won the ball back well at times high up the pitch but you just couldn't create chances
3: Yeah we do need to get that quality better in the final third Uh, That said look at I think this group has developed a little bit over the season as you know I do think we'll be better into next season Um, and we'll take it up a little bit and hopefully we can push on next year
7: You weren't helped by the fact that Romeo Parks went off injured so early he's such a big player for you
3: yeah, he's done tremendously well this season for us. Uh, he is quick and, you know, obviously there was an element of counter-attacking with Dundalk uh, this evening. Um, but to take him out, without he might bring when he's the quickest player, one of the quickest players in the league. Uh, it was just that he went off so early.
7: This place is special. We saw that today. I can see why you wanted to be a part of the project here. 4,000 people over it in here today. A raucous atmosphere. You're, you know, they got behind you. You want to build from here. You, you don't want this to be an ending point. You want this to be a starting point.
3: No, 100%. If we can get that type of the coming back, we've had roughly around 2,000, I would say. If we can get that up to 3 or 3.5 or 4, even like today... Obviously that can give, from a budget point of view, from my end of it, look at different players, at different all that sort of stuff. So it, the whole thing is on the up. Uh, but we would like them all to come back as much as they possibly can do. And I know the season's been, especially at the start, we're a little bit indifferent. I think we've settled down a wee bit. And I do think we'll be better into next year.
1: Yeah, Liam Buckley very disappointed. And that definitely looked like a penalty, certainly on the replays. And you would think with the uh, fourth and fifth officials behind the goal, the really should have got that one right. You're on the Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast. Undock will meet Shamrock Rovers in the final at the Aviva Stadium on Sunday, November 3rd. It's after their 2-0 victory over Bowes at Daily Mount on Friday night. Of course, the opening goal coming from Graham Burke and the second late in the game from Aaron Green. In a moment, we'll get the Bowes view from Derek Pender. But first, the Shamrock Rovers head coach, Stephen Bradley, and his striker, Graham Burke. So with the Shamrock Rovers head coach, Stephen Bradley, who's into the FAI Cup final. Stephen, Agarda asked me for my ID to come in here because of the chaos of that match. So uh, I'm hoping to have a great chat with you. Well done. Congratulations. You're in the final. How does it feel?
9: Oh, I'm delighted. I'm I'm proud of of the players, of the staff, uh, because they've come here and and uh, and really controlled the game in a semi-final, biggest biggest rivals, and and uh, they've they've done really well and should have won the game uh, by more goals to be fair.
1: At the end, the fans and the players and the staff, and you manage to have your your team huddle right in front of your six, seven, eight hundred fans. That's a nice moment. What do you say
9: to the players there, right in front of the, the fans who love them? Just enjoy it because it's. These moments don't come around too often, uh, winning semi-finals, getting into finals, they don't happen too often. I was lucky to play in a few, uh, but I think as a group you, you have enough uh, downtimes and, and uh, negative times when, you, when you're in the group. We did on Monday night, uh, but when you get outside tonight they're special and you have to embrace and enjoy. Yeah, It's amazing the difference four days
1: makes from Dundalk winning the league and you guys having to be gracious and shake their hands on, on Monday to beating your main rivals in,
9: in the biggest game of the season tonight. Yeah, and that's that's football, that's the highs and lows and Dundalk won the league. Deservedly so and like you said, we've to stand there and see that happen and uh you gotta take your medicine. Uh, but you gotta fuel it and make a make sure it makes you better and and it did that tonight. I think you can see the focus in the players how they how they approach the game. I thought they were a different class. How would you reflect on the match itself,
1: Stephen just interviewed Graham Burke there about his header? Yeah. He was saying he with Dundalk, he was meant to be at the back post here he was at the front post and then late in the game Ronan cross in, and Aaron Green gets the second
9: Yeah we have gone through uh, set plays yesterday obviously and, and Graham that was the area we felt he could he could get damaged because they were small in, in the front post and, and uh, it was a great header but to be fair Graham Burke he scores goals in big games that's what he does he's a top player um, and uh, he was brilliant again tonight Does that
1: add extra satisfaction for you and the coaching staff that maybe a little trick you give them on a set piece helps them get a goal in the big game?
9: Yeah it's always nice when it comes off but um, everything tonight is down to the group, down to the players. Um, all, all I do is, is send them out there and give them the team. and It's up to them to carry out the instructions. And tonight, they did it to, uh, to a tee. And then, you know, all the chaos with the red cards.
1: And, my God, is the goal being dragged behind us? Uh, with, with the red card and the fans coming on the pitch and stuff. To get the second goal and just see it off. Even though both had 10. If they scored, it's going to extra time.
9: Yeah, they were... Um, the second goal just killed the game, didn't it? The sending off was a sending off, but the second goal kills the game. Uh, but I felt we, we could have scored. I think we had one offside disallowed, and then we had uh, the left back makes an unbelievable uh, clearance off the line from Graham Bourke. So we could have could have won by, by more, to be honest. The fans
1: on the pitch, it's a minority, but it's still not what we want to see. And the guard of dogs having to come on, and fans getting basically
9: dragged out of the stadium. No, it's not what you want to see. Um, but these our fans are passionate fans, and and it means everything to them, and so it can boil over at times but um, it's not what you want to see but you, you can understand it as well.
1: But Nice to have won first and to be able to go there on Sunday and, and now you're getting ready for either team to play in the final.
9: Yeah, it's obviously nice we've done our business early and, and uh, we're in the final so uh, we'll enjoy tonight and then uh, I'll go there Sunday and we'll, and we'll get focused with Sligo next week so we we'll focus on them for Monday
1: and you've been there before 2010 as a player with Rovers in the first ever cup final at the Aviva since it got rebuilt and uh, memory's nine years on to bring your team back there as a manager now it's, it's come full circle
9: yeah it's a proud moment uh, that we can lead this special club out at the Aviva but um, there's so much on the front of it, obviously and I get the credit but uh, it's about the staff it's about the players it's about the board that backed us when, when uh, people didn't want them to back us and uh, that's what it's about. I have the easy job of, of uh, putting the team out there. See, Melbourne, congrats and joy. Cheers, thanks, Jay.
1: So, with Chamber Crovers, Rovers, Graham Burke after his FAI Cup semi final header after four minutes. Graham, you wouldn't be overly known for headers, but you got on the end of Jack Byrne's corner and flicked it in. Thanks to that ball fan for that. And flicked it in to uh, put yourself 1 0 up. <laughs> Lads, go away. Thank
10: you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Jamie, yeah, it was a lovely uh, delivery from uh, Jack. I just thought I'd uh, get across the front post and. Uh, you know, as it was, as the flight was uh, in the air, I knew I could uh, get my head on it. You know, and obviously flipped it up. I didn't really look back, but I just heard the roar behind the goal, so I knew I was in.
1: Yeah, was that something that had have been worked on
10: on the training pitch during the week? No, oh, we all have <coughs> individual jobs that we have to do. You know, in there's a uh, Dundalk, I was back post this this time. I was front post, and then uh, Gaffer just said, "Yes, Dave, you can get across the post. Uh, get across the front post. Do it." You know, and lucky enough, uh, it's one of them things you talk about the day before, and lucky enough, it paid off.
1: Yeah, you've scored a couple of goals since your return on loan, but to score in the semi-final at the home of your main rivals in front of your own fans, what did that feel like?
10: Obviously, this is, I think, obviously the biggest game that I've probably I've probably played in. Other than everybody probably knows the biggest game that I played, and I won't obviously mention it, but is in other than that in a Rovers jersey and any any jersey that I've probably put on, this is probably the biggest game that I've probably played in. You know, and to come away from it on a, a winning side and to score a goal in it is an unbelievable feeling. I think it shows there all the boys, you know, we've worked, we've worked hard for this, you know, I, I've been away for a year and I knew I knew there was something happening at this club and I wanted to be a part of it, you know, and the decision of coming home, I knew we could do these things, I knew we could go on and try and challenge for the league, you know, lucky enough it wasn't to be in that, but, you know, we're putting our best foot forward and, and trying to do things in the cup and we've reached, a fi- <clears throat> reached the final and, you know, it's a great feeling to know
1: because yeah, I was going to ask you about you know, the decision to come
10: home and you've spoken quite widely about
1: the reasons why you came home but to play in big football matches like this with prizes like the Aviva Stadium final on the line, you played there before, you've scored there before for your country, I'm sure that, that really justifies your decision in your own head if,
10: if, it, if it needed it. Yeah, obviously in, in now like uh, it makes it that more sweeter, you know, coming home is in, so now you have a massive game to uh, to play, you know as in the Aviva how many fans will be there, the opponent we, we don't know, you know, it's going to be a a massive game whoever whoever we uh, get and uh, really looking forward and that's the decision to come home you know I made that decision based on what I wanted, how I felt and the life I wanted to to live you know and maybe some people don't understand it but it's not for them to understand it's only for me to understand and my family and everything like that but you know I made the decision and you know I'm delighted with the decision I've made.
1: And see all the stuff that's going on. The game is five minutes late starting because of the flares, and then you know some fans get on having a go at each other. Is that something as a player that is a massive distraction?
10: No, I love all that, Jamie. I love people roaring at me and shouting at me, you know, and calling me all sorts of names. You know, that's that's something that, that drives you on. You know, they're only doing it for one for one reason. You know, that kind of way. But you enjoy it. It's a, it's a listen. It's a Dublin derby. It's the biggest biggest game of probably League of Ireland. You know. Uh, to have everybody throw on and just goes to show what it means for both clubs they fixture, you know and you know, people come out to support sport because they love rovers they love bows and you know things like that happen but you know that's that's part and parcel of football you know
1: and lastly you've been to Aviva before as an Ireland player I'm not sure if you've been there in a club game just yet you don't know who you're going to play yet Dundalk and Sligo play on Sunday evening but uh, a final look forward to and a few weeks now to, to go and get ready you haven't
10: lost the league on Monday it's, it's a great end to the season for you yeah, obviously now if we can fully focus on this, knowing what the situation is the league, but we're not going to switch off and that, you know, we're still going to go and prepare for all them games like we were still in the title race, you know, because there's no need for us to slack off now because we're in a cup final. and, you know, we want to keep preparing and playing well in order for when that game comes around, we know we're in uh, good shape or fit and we're playing well and everything like that. So, you know, as we have Slugger on um, Saturday, we'll, we'll enjoy this, but... We'll get back to training on, I don't know when, and prepare for that game. Great, well done, congrats. Yes, thank you, Jamie.
1: With the Bowls captain Derek Pender, uh, Detzer, what's your your thoughts on, on the game tonight and, and everything that happened?
11: Frustrate, frustration, Jamie. You know, it's a big night. You know, we didn't show up, we weren't good enough tonight. and It's just a tough night.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. It's hard to put words into it minutes after the game, so, so thanks for your time. They score after four minutes from a set-piece. I'm sure that must be been quite disappointing, given how tight the previous games with the clubs have been.
11: Yeah, it's not good enough, you know. Um, we walked on it during the week as well, you know, set pieces in a game like this, semi-final cup of vital. And uh, we just didn't defend, defend well enough and they got the lead. But even after that, you know, our decisions making tonight wasn't good enough, you know, uh, we were poor.
1: And in the middle part of the game, the game is quite tight. You didn't have too many chances, but things are still there for you. Was there a point in that kind of second half where you thought, we're going to try and get something, we're going to get something?
11: Yeah, you felt in the game, even after they scored, I thought that we, we, were, we were comfortable, you know. We were probably the most dangerous as well. We had more of the ball. Uh, but you know it's just it's the way it goes you know there's a lot of young lads in there you know they'll hopefully gain from this experience and nights like tonight will will uh, stay stay with them and they'll push on in the future
1: yeah one of those young ones is danny mandrew he gets a straight red and just a couple of minutes later i think keith warder just come on to have a go and, and they go and get their second then which makes things very difficult yeah,
11: it's tough you know Danny's, Danny's in, in then he's an emotional lad you know it's uh look at he's gonna learn hopefully he learn from that you know it's it's one of them it's the same as Wardy's at the start of the season, really, in my opinion. You know, the ref knows he got the Wardy one probably wrong and he's, he's, he's evened it up tonight, really.
1: And you're back to the league now, competing for Europe. You can't get it through the Cup now, but you can still get it through the league and yourselves, Gary won tonight and, and Pat's weren't playing, so uh, a big few weeks to go.
11: Yeah, massive. You know, we have to, we'll have come in again in the morning. Disappointing weekend, obviously, we'll be all down, but Monday we'll be back in, ready to go for next Friday.
1: And lastly, making two semi-finals in a row, albeit you didn't win either, with a young squad and some experienced players, that shows where the club is going and where you hope to go in the future, that you can get to these stages, even though it's disappointing not to win them.
11: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, People were relegating us at the start of the season. Uh, you We've know, with a chance in Europe and we're in the semi final of the Cup, I know. It's not good enough that we didn't, get, we didn't, we didn't perform tonight. You know, It's disappointing, but there's a good, good grouping down with Keith, if the club back them
1: all the way, uh, I'm sure they'll come in the future. Derek, thanks for your time. Thanks, man. That's the Boats' captain, Derek Pender, and before him, Graham Burke and Stephen Bradley of Shamrock Rovers. And Shamrock Rovers involved in the SCR Trissie League Action this weekend, and that's the return to League Action in the Premier Division with uh, games taking place across... The stadiums across the country, and we're looking forward to uh, going to Bowes against Cork City. That game is at Dalyman Park on Friday at quarter to eight. The other games take place at quarter to eight. Dundalk against Derry City at St. Pat's against Waterford, and a huge game in the battle for Europe for St. Pat's. And Sligo host Shamrock Rovers, Well, the last game of the weekend is also on Friday. Finn Harps against UCD, and if UCD are going to have any chance of staying up, they're going to have to uh, win that one. That is definitely a relegation six-pointer. Now Stradbrook and cabin will host cabin against Longford Town in the first leg of the first round relegation promotion playoffs. Longford finished third and cabin finished fourth. And in a few moments we're going to hear from the Longford Town goalkeeper Lee Stacey. But first the home team and their striker Kieran Marty-Waters.
2: The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off
1: The Ball. Marty, thanks for having a chat. How's things? I suppose first you just give us your overall views on... The game and the week and the playoffs ahead, and you know, Cabinteely's first ever League of Ireland season was back in 2015. You joined the club in 2017, so you've been there for the end of your third season now. And I'm sure everybody very excited for this massive opportunity that awaits
12: over the next couple of weeks. How are you, Jay? Hope you're keeping well. Uh, yeah, now uh, very very exciting games coming up against Longford. Uh, what's it called if we if we can beat them uh all well and good but it, it's it's just great that cabin Thiele have been able to reach a playoff spot and as you said it's just that the club is so fresh to the league of Ireland. it's a it's a new challenge to the club and like a lot of young players in the team and uh, it, it it's good that they'll get the opportunity to play in such a big game you know
1: now i'm sure you guys haven't surprised yourselves you've definitely surprised others where you finished in the league but you know, the amount of work that's gone on on the training pitch and, and, you know, a very good playing squad. We spoke about Rob Manley scoring the goals and, you know, Steve McGinnis has been never present at the back. But, you know, a lot of other players putting in very, very good performances this season. So I'm sure where you are on the table and the fact that you're in these playoffs certainly hasn't been a surprise to people in the camp.
12: At the start of the season, uh, the aim was to finish in the top four in the playoff spots. And... Uh, to be honest like I, I feel we we could have been closer to the top i think there were some games throughout the year that uh we probably should have got points off and and we, and we didn't and like that you if you if you don't if you don't win games you don't get the points and like some games then we we drew we drew an awful lot of games uh some games that we probably shouldn't have got anything from so you take with the good with the bad but uh no the, the the aim at the start of the season was playoff spots, and and we managed to achieve that.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the word opportunity will be used a lot in the Cabinteely dressing room this week, and maybe before kick-off on Friday, Marty. And you know, I mentioned in the introduction that Cabin Cabinteely have only been a League of Ireland club for you know five years, really, and and never really challenged at this end of the table. The first couple of years, people will probably admit were quite tough in terms of results and points on the table, but. This season it's been much better and people including myself probably expected Bray to be in that top 4 they're not and, and you've managed to get there and merit and on performances on the pitch can you put your finger on why things have gone you know so well this season in comparison to others
12: Now as you said Jay uh, we've I've been at the club for 3 years now and when I went in at the start like we had some really really great squads over the the last 3 years and some some l- lovely players like but obviously just needing game time and stuff like that but uh, this year, uh, I think that's just been a, a really, a really great crop of, of players that have just wanted to work hard and and, and and apply themselves every every Friday or Saturday or whatever. And uh, they come down training and training and training and training. And some of them might not even get in, but they're still there. Their attitudes are great, you know. And I think that's the difference this year. Uh, what's called the attitude has been really, really great. And uh, like uh, I think it has stood to us come the end of the season I know we were a bit of a surprise but as you said like um, every Friday you just have to go out and try and win the game you know and come the end of the season you, you accumulate the points that you deserve and I, I feel that we were good enough for a playoff spot you know and I know some teams missed out just missed out and but uh, it was up to us to concentrate on us so uh, now I'm absolutely delighted with the way the year has gone but uh it, it will all depend now <laughs> if we can get playoffs that would be that would be a, a tremendous achievement for the club
1: and from a personal point of view you missed a lot of the season through injury and you're back at the right time I'm sure Pat Devlin and everybody are very very happy to have you back and we know Rob Manley is a top scorer in the league and has scored lots of goals but you guys look like you might form a nice partnership earlier in the year and you've certainly rehabbed and come back at the business end Marty
12: yeah I had a broke my foot in like two places and I, I was out for like seven to eight weeks and like when i was watching out in into the training ground you're watching the lads train it's just a it's a horrible place to be and like I, I i was fit like they had me in the gym and stuff like that so i've been working away and working away but like it's just not the same you just want to be out there kicking a football you know but um now it, it's a good time to come back and like that i'm still still kind of getting there still kind of getting stronger and stuff but uh with With the next two games coming up, they are absolutely huge. And to be just available for the selection is, is, I'm more than happy with that. So, uh, we can take it from there. So, let's talk
1: about this game itself. And, you know, you've played Longford three times this season. And, you know, things quite tight in the league table. Everybody you know, trying to make that top four. And in the end, you've done it. Longford thought they might have been able to catch Strada and finish second, which would have meant that they didn't have to play in the the first part of the playoffs. But they haven't done that and they're going to have to play you guys over two legs. So just your overall thoughts on on facing Longford, of course, under Dara Doyle now that Neil Fenn has gone to take over at
12: Cork. Yeah, two massive games against Longford. And uh, like that, they were were brilliant as well this year. They've had their ups and downs. Obviously, their manager gone and stuff like that. But... uh, we have we just have to concentrate on ourselves going into these two games um like even even if you do win the games you you can't get excited because then you have drada to play and if you win that then you have finn harps to play so it's it is a long way to try and get premier division football but um now hopefully there there, there'll be a big turnout in 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 both venues and uh hopefully we can give them a site an exciting match to to watch yeah it should be really exciting all right and
1: just the club overall and I know Pat Devlin has spoken in recent weeks and recent months about where the club is and how it will be set up if it did happen to get promoted back to the Premier Division or should I say to the Premier Division for the first time and he has spoken about the internal stuff in the club and how you know, maybe more people will hopefully come to the games in the future and you've been with the club for three seasons you've worked as a volunteer in the community marty and you've also done some coaching with some of the underage teams what's your thoughts on that and just where the club is at in terms of of attendances which if they improved it would improve the playing budget which would improve the squad which would improve results etc etc
12: yeah the the club is the club is going forward slowly but surely like uh, it it needs a, a good bit of backing and stuff like that but as you said like sponsorships it needs as many sponsorships as possible and like the area of dunleary and ratdown county council and stuff like that need to kind of get involved and kind of help along because it's given opportunities to young lads to uh, to to create a pathway into football you know and uh, it would be it would be lovely to see if they did get facilities and to see what what it could be you know but with pat involved it's like he will want what's best for the club so um and obviously all the volunteers who volunteer day in day out and they're always there and they're putting up nets and they're there and they're doing ticket the ticket office and uh there's so many people involved in cabin Thiele that like it, you you would love to see it come a lot bigger for all those people like you would you want to give it back to those people but now it's a uh, uh, the next few games will 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 test this and we will we'll see what happens uh, if we can get as far but and um, like that you can look no further than friday and i think it's next friday against longford and you can go from there
1: you're on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast, it's Jamie Moore here and we're
12: focusing on the first
1: round of the First Division playoffs this Friday with Cabin Thiele facing Longford Town in Stradbrook before the second leg at City Calling Stadium next weekend as well. Of course the winners of that game will play against Strada over two legs and the winners of that game will play the Team 90 in the Premier which looks like it'll be Finn Harps to try and either be in the Premier Division uh, next season. And I'm here with the Longford goalkeeper Lee Stacey at the uh, launch of the uh, Colleges and Universities Football League for 2019-20 sponsored by Rustlers. Lee how are you? I'll go Jamie now, yourself? Yeah great thanks, thanks for having a chat um, I suppose your initial views on the weekend ahead and, and a big couple of weeks for the club?
13: Yeah can't wait, looking forward to it you know, Playoffs for any team is a special occasion um, It's not a route to getting Premier Football So can't wait, And especially after last year with, with Shelburne Going down to 9 men and losing the tie when it was effectively in our hands Hoping to bring some of that experience into Friday's game the season for Longford has been
1: mixed in, in terms of, of results and, and you'd maybe hope to be a little bit closer to the top two. How would you reflect on it overall in the middle of the season? Your manager Neil Fenn has left and, and the assistant has come in you know, and, and been in charge for the last few weeks and will be in charge for these few games. And I'm sure everybody is very, very happy that the club have kept it with Daryl Doyle for now anyway.
13: I think um, I think overall it was a decent season. We obviously had a great start. I think we were unbeaten in 11 or 12 games. Um. It's just the consistency after our first defeat in our away game is kind of, that, that's what hampered our title chances because we were right in it all away, even after the couple of defeats we were still in it, until the Shells game obviously when they beat us 10-0 at home, but I think we have a great squad there and we play some lovely football the majority of the time, so um, most of us would be happy with our season, a lot of the lads it's our first time playing the league, including myself, as a uh, first choice, so overall very happy and since Dara has come in he's been brilliant to be fair
1: Yeah it's something that happens a lot in football that you know a manager leaves you know towards the end of the season and the club up to go with the assistant to, to take the reins and I know Dara has been involved with the club ever since Neil took over how's he been since he's become the manager?
13: Yeah he's been great like he's um, not a whole lot has changed and even when Neil left like obviously we were sad to see him go we, he, he done well with us and whatever but we wish him well but Dara has been brilliant it's, um, he's put his own stamp on things and the lads have bought into it, and I think we've generally done well. Especially the first game was uh, the balls game, and that was a great response for the lads. And I think we've gelled well. And Johnny Martin has come in, and he's a breath of fresh air around the place as well. So the two boys have done a great job so far.
1: Yeah, because it's something that. They've, you know, all this has happened when the transfer window is closed. So, you know, Dara's had no chance to sign anybody or, or, or you know, bring anybody in or, or let anybody go. So he's had to work with the group that's there. But that, again, probably helps that it's been consistent, that he knows the exact group and, and, you know, he knows what he wants from them.
13: Yeah, well, you look at a couple of the lads who, um, who haven't been playing under say They've just been given a chance to come back into the group and it's, it's kind of brought one or two of them back together. And Adam Evans coming on there to start the weekend for his first start and God knows how long, scoring two goals down in Cove very hard thing to do Paul O'Connor was brilliant even Peter Hopkins like all these lads are are, have done really well and they've just got a new lease of life Tristan himself is down there at the lunch all have very good games so I think Dara has a nice headache now coming up to the playoffs
1: you've played Cabin TD three times in the league this season as well and we were just speaking downstairs at the photos and you'll be trying to stop someone like Rob Manley who's been the top scorer in the league and they've surprised a lot of people in terms of, of where they are in the league but I'm sure they haven't surprised the teams they've played against because they've played very well and they've deserved to be ahead of Bray who do on, on paper have a bigger budget and a better squad what's your assessment of the, the task you face against them?
13: I think um, Cabo are where they are on merit I think they've been brilliant they've been one of the toughest teams we've played every game has been a battle and they do have some really good players and a lot of young lads that are going to go on and have great futures in the game so I think uh, it's going to be a tough test but we'll, um, we'll concentrate on ourselves mainly and just keep doing what we're doing and, and hopefully take that into the playoffs uh, and all the good things we've done this season and see what we, we kinda learn from the games we've played Cabo previously. So
1: Yeah, it's something that we see in the league all the time that, you know, you're playing a big game against someone on a Friday and the previous week you had a college launch with them or I saw during the week the PFAI did a cookery class and players from Bowles and Shamrock Rovers are, you know, learning to cook together and then going to, you know, try and absolutely hammer each other in the match on the Friday and um, you know, even the the launch for the new FIFA game TV, it's the same type of thing where you have to be mates with these fellas off the pitch on a Wednesday and then you go and play them on the Friday and, and you're trying to do what you can to beat them and in, in your case for example stop Rob Mandy, like and today you're being mates with him like
13: Yeah of course Like Rob was a first one to say hello to me downstairs and like the League of Ireland is great it's actually a great community in terms of players and even managers and press everything like, everyone knows each other but like we played balls there in the, in the cup a couple of weeks ago and Keith Buckley is one of my best friends and we barely even looked at each other during the during the game, before the game. But he was the first one up to give me a hug and console me after the game. When you step over that white line there's no friends at all. It's uh, you go to war and it doesn't matter if it's your best mate or your brother and like Joe Manley and Rob Manley, they're probably gonna be playing against each other at some stage over the two legs. They would they won't they kick the living daylights out of each other. And that's football and that's that's why we love it.
1: Your own season, Lee We spoke at the Aviva Stadium In the middle of last season When you were at Shells And at the time You weren't playing And, and you know You were I think hinting at the fact That you were going to leave To try and get full time First team football That's what you've done at Longford It's your first season As you mentioned You have been number one First choice I think you've probably Started every game How have you found that And, and clearly you feel You've made the right choice Given you've gone in Played well And, and you know In a team that's made the playoffs
13: Yeah like it's uh, It was a tough decision To leave Shells Because what they, I know What they were trying to do And what they have Actually fulfilled But I had to be selfish for the first time in football and I anything I set my mind to I generally do so I, I set a couple of goals myself and I fulfilled most of them so far there's a couple to, that are still on the list and I'll hopefully reveal all them when the season's finished but um, it's, I've played every minute of every game including the Cups and it's been brilliant It's um, it's been exactly what I expected it to be it's been mad Like so, sometimes things might go for you but you just bounce back and I've uh, I've loved every minute, and I couldn't be I couldn't have done it a better squad. The lads are great, to be fair. And there's been a debate,
1: you know, in the last while about Irish football and the league structures and what's going to happen moving forward and stuff. For me, I think the first division is great that the top four can make the playoffs or you know second, third, fourth, and that up until last week Bray got a Cabin Cabinteely and so on, so it keeps it alive. But now, if you guys are going to get promoted, you need to go through three ties. You need to play this game against Cabinteely. If you beat them, it's Drogheda, and then it's it's likely Finn Harp. So it, it's a long path through. But then if you look at Drogheda, I think they're 25 days from their last league game to their first playoff game and Finn Harps will be playing in the Premier all the way up to when they play the team from the first division so what's your thoughts on on, on the, the I suppose different people's you know talking about how difficult it might be for a first division team to get up and whatever but for you you've just got to go and try and do
13: it yeah well firstly um, all season all I heard was people talking about how great the first division was and quality and everything like that was brilliant and then just in the last couple of weeks you see things online and people are saying the standard is terrible and I don't get it because it's actually it's the best force division I've played in. I've only played in two of them, but I've, I've followed it for years, and it's the best I've seen in, in years. Like you look at Cabo, for example, and what they have done. They've they're they're a great addition to the league. So I think with Longford, any time we've played against Premier teams, even preseason, we still played the Knox full time drill with them. I think Premier football actually suits us better, but. It's, it's a long road to that, so we're just going to take it one game at a time. I think draw it out 25 days without a competitive game, that's going to be tough, but they're a great side as well. So they, um, they won't um they won't be too worried, they'll believe in themselves. So one game at a time and, and just take it as it is and, s- and see where you go. And lastly, we're
1: here at the launch, as we said, for the, the new season of the football in college. And when we spoke last time, you were working, I think, as well as college and it's something in particularly in the first division that lots of players do even your mate Keith Buckley he was on the podcast this week before the Bulls Rovers game and he took some time out of work to send me back some answers and stuff so what's your balance of football college work and, and that
13: sort of stuff Well the last time I spoke to you I was working for Heineken but and I thought it was great at the time but unfortunately that didn't last in terms of clashing with, with sports so I, was, I had a couple of jobs this year already and I said to myself right, I can't keep doing this what can I do so I said, said to myself I loved college the first time I'm going to try to go back applied for a mature student um, advanced entry i met up with john McGowan and ashelbourne and we put up a plan together what we're going to do so we worked towards getting me taxi license so i've got that i work for myself i'm playing football for longford and i am currently back in to dublin city campus so it's uh, it's perfect i can walk for myself make my own few quid and uh, nothing gets in the way so i'm happy what are you studying um sports and leisure management
1: Nice, very good and how have you you've only just started of course we're in the 1st September as well and one of the great things about college is the sport and you know the amount of emphasis that colleges and, and people put on the sport and the football in most of them is, is run very very well and, and that's the same in your place too and I'm sure you're looking forward to when, when your League of Ireland season finishes being able to, to play some uh, proper competitive football across the off season which, which is a real plus of the college
13: league Yeah 100% Jamie and the one of the reasons I wanted to come back was the sport because when I was here in um, 2017 I was obviously second choice with Shelbourne and, and Bray at the time was obviously in the middle of a change of season. And I w- obviously wasn't playing, but with the college I was able to play, it was like nearly full-time football. Like you're playing a couple of games a week and it just gives you that platform. Like college football is great, great standards, to some brilliant players and it just gives you the confidence. So when I was called upon, I was able to play as if I was playing every week. And it was the same when, I had, when we won the Lancer Senior Cup with Shells, I had, to get, I had won the games of my life. And that was purely down to playing... Every week with um with the college or whatever and like we won a cope with the IT that year. So it was um it was great. Like it was a great platform to go and play.
1: Great stuff, Lee. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the rest of the season. Hopefully it goes well for you we'll see you soon. Thanks.
13: Cheers, Jamie. Thanks a million.
1: That's the Longford Town goalkeeper Lee Stacey and before him Kieran Marty Waters. That first leg takes place at Strabrook this coming Friday at seven forty five. Now our final port of call on this week's Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast is to hear about the event that Lee, Stacey and myself were at during the week, the launch of the third level football season for 2019-20 sponsored by Rustlers. It involves over 150 League of Ireland players in both the men's and ladies' sections and the man in charge of it all is Mark Scanlon. Hey it's Jamie Moore here on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast from FAI HQ in Abbottstown here with Mark Scanlon the national coordinator for uh, schools and third level football here in Ireland and last week the launch of the uh, new season and here at Abbottstown a number of League of Ireland players and coaches involved with all of the third level colleges across the country too and uh, Mark's going to give us an overview of the importance of college education wise and sport wise in the League of Ireland players on our League of Ireland podcast so Mark thanks for having a chat how are you?
2: Thanks Jamie yeah very good thank you looking forward to an exciting third level season.
1: Yeah just you might expand on my introduction there just about the League of Ireland involvement in third-level football.
2: Yeah, so over the last number of years, we've seen an increased number of players, uh, both from the SSE or Tristy League and also this Hotels Women's National League, uh, playing in third-level football, which is great. So uh, players are starting to think a lot more about their future and their long-term prospects as well, which is great. And last year, we had over 100 players from the Men's League and 50 players from the Women's League uh, who are currently studying in third-level and also playing in the National League. So it's a huge involvement.
1: How important is that? And the kind of mindset of young people and parents is changing and they're starting to realise more that education is very, very important. And if you can combine that with top-level sport in college, which then leaks into the leagues, it's a plus win for everybody, really.
2: Yeah, I think that, as you said, the mindset is starting to change. I think people are seeing that a lot more now that the importance of having a a future and having something to fall back on after football. As we know, football is a very short-lived career. We all have aims of becoming professional footballers and having a career in it. But the reality is that there's a very small few that can make a living from the game. So uh, combining it with education gives people much more of a stable future. And also whilst you're playing football, it's a a great outlet to have to make sure that you're studying, keep the mind active, keep the brain active, and a lot more players are, are Getting scholarships now. The colleges are very good on that side. They look after them in college as well, and um, they're making sure that they they really do mix between the national league structure and the college uh, stress times at exams and everything else. So, so they're being very well looked after, and thankfully we're seeing an increased numbers of club from the national league as well now, starting to see the benefit and joining up with some of the colleges and universities and, and having links there, which is great.
1: And for people watching and listening who maybe wouldn't be overly aware of of like the standard of the football, like. The video you guys showed earlier on, which I'm sure people can find on the third level football uh, social media channels of kind of games being recorded, you know, a lot of the coaches will be very highly qualified, you know, and the teams are are run to a standard. Lots of the players will be on scholarship where their fees are being paid and stuff. And it really is an extension of the League of Ireland in in, in lots of ways that, you know, a majority of the colleges at the top level are, are run very, very well.
2: Yeah, as you said, the the coaching is one thing that's really improved in the last number of years. That we've a number of pro licensed coaches involved in the league. Um, at the launch, you would have seen the likes of of Martin Russell and Mick Cook um Pat Scully uh, Greg Yelverton who's coaching our college and university's international team all pro licensed coaches involved with the various teams and uh, you know yourself from from coaching in the league and congratulations on your promotion Jamie Thank you. so in the premier division this year with TU Dublin uh, Blanchestown so you're going to see a, a huge increase in the standard this year and and the, the coaches that are involved at that level very highly qualified um and obviously giving good information to the players and also looking after them in terms of mixing that commitments between their their club commitments and their college commitments as well
1: Yeah, I should mention as well, the third level football sponsored by Rustlers and they've been great. And, you know, Mark stressed this morning the importance of having a good sponsor to try and and bring college football to the next level because you've had this job. Is this your third year?
2: It's our fourth year now okay. yeah, in this role so it's, uh, uh, before me we have 12 years now running with the CUFL so so Jared Dunn was doing the job previously to me who's now an analyst with our senior international team and they've set down the platform over the last 12 years and thankfully we've been able to continue it over the last four years and in the this is the third year now of the Rustler sponsorship so that's been a huge boost because we've always tried to promote third level football as we mentioned in the launch as well, it's an all island competition which gives it a uniqueness in the country in, in football as well which is great so they like of Queen's University in Belfast and Ulster University involved um, so it's progressing all the time and with the addition of Rustlers as a sponsor and with the extra social media coverage we're getting, the live streaming of the games it's starting to put it out to a whole different audience as well and uh, increasing the profile all the time And you mentioned
1: there Greg Yelverton and you know we discussed on the podcast this summer the World University Games at the World Student Games I always get the name mixed up where effectively you know all the universities around the world go and play in the Olympics for, for colleges and Arden had a, you know I think five uh, different teams including the men's and, and women's football and uh, both did so well that ladies under Dave Connell and the men under Greg Everton and they get to go like the opening ceremonies if you haven't seen them it's like the Olympic opening ceremony it's amazing and that's something if people are playing at the top level of, of football and lots of League of Arden people were in those squads they get to go and and play for their country at the best university level possible in the world.
2: Yeah, we, we're a little bit unfortunate with the World University Games in a mix with the National League season uh, falls into that busy period during the summer. So um, a lot of the times it can be a struggle to to try and get some of the players uh, released from their National League commitments, which is which is understandable. But the players who do get the opportunity to go, and particularly some of the younger players uh, coming out of the 19s National League, some of these players have played international football before, which is great. They've had a taste of it. But a lot of the other players may have been on the fringes before, uh, possibly in being in home-based squads. And it's not until you really experience the games as you mentioned the likes of the, the opening ceremony Itself being a, a huge event uh, And very similar to the Olympics The way the, the competition is run And it's the third uh, biggest multi-sport event In the world as well So it's a brilliant opportunity for the players A fantastic experience And those who were there in Naples in the summer In Taipei two years ago Or at any of the previous games Will tell you how much they enjoyed it And I think how much it helped their football development as well Because you're not only playing against top players But you're playing against different styles Different cultures and a lot of the time Even the people who've played international football would have only played against European teams Uh, this year the men's and women's teams would have played against the likes of China, Brazil Uruguay, Mexico so it gives them a whole different experience as well that they wouldn't necessarily have got before
1: So finally all in all being a footballer in third level football is a good place to be for a young person?
2: Yeah I think so I think uh, you know there's a lot more that we can still keep doing to improve them links between our National League clubs and the universities I mean my own personal opinion would be that I'd love to see all our National League clubs having uh, a structured link with a third level institution so that they can provide a pathway for their players from the seventeens league, nineteens league, uh, into further education, and then from there, hopefully, look after them as as they're developing into first team players. Um, so not only are the players going to leave the national league structure as better players, uh, but they're also going to leave better educated with a, a better option for the future. And um, you know, sometimes it might be injuries, it might be just loss of form, but players are dropping out, and at least we can we can set that pathway down to say we know where they're going when when football is finished, whenever that day comes.
1: Great, stuff Mark Scanlon, thanks a million for your time. Best of luck for a new season.
2: Thanks, Jeremy. That
1: is it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests we heard from Mark Scandon, Kieran Marty-Waters, Lee Stacey, Derek Pender, Graham Burke, Stephen Bradley, Liam Buckley, Vinnie Perth, Brian Kerr and Noel Rock. A packed edition. We're back next week folks. See you. Bye bye.
0: That was an Off The Ball Podcast Network presentation.